Hi, Victoria. How are you? Hello, Katarina. I'm well. Thank you. How are you? Great. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> Thank you. What a great welcome. I'm so happy I can be here. And here's our guest. Oh, hi. How are you? Thank you for coming. Hi. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's really nice of you to take the time to do this. So thank you. Thank you for your invitation. Yeah, my pleasure to share our work. <laughs> <laughs> and how has your week been? Everything good? Your yes, week? except uh, the cold weather <laughs> here oh, in yeah. Chicago. <laughs> how cold is it right now? So today it's uh, around minus nine degrees in Celsius. Yes. Okay, Celsius. Good. <laughs> I yeah. I I do like I refer to temperature as Celsius too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really cold. That is really cold. Here in New York it hasn't been a real winter, I feel like. It hasn't been too cold. Hasn't been. Oh. No. Maybe and because no of the global warming. Yeah, it's a second winter that it's not really snowing and not that cold. It's a few days very cold, like a couple of days, but then yeah, yeah, yeah. To... I have the same feeling here this year, especially this year, warmer winter. Yeah, it's a big difference. It used to snow a lot uh, when I was first here for my PhD in New York. Um, it we had like huge snowstorms and it was freezing. <laughs> Yeah. So that's why we need to solve the global warming as soon as possible. Exactly. I think that's the biggest concern we should have. I think everything yeah. else is just distraction from the real problem. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Um, I should have gone into that type of research, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, ever everybody uh, develop their effort on 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 this issue. I think uh, this problem can eventually be solved if if everybody. Yeah. Do you do you think AI will help us more? Like, do you think that's a? I think so. And uh, right now, the Chat GPT has uh, proved to be very powerful, and. Uh, and indeed it is yeah that's my hope that um yeah that maybe technology will help us and come up with new ideas that we haven't thought of before um yeah let's let's hope that it works because yeah it, it would be independent from if governments are willing to pay a lot of people to think about the issues because it's relatively cheap to do it. Don't yeah. Don't well, you think that? Don't you think a lot of the issue though is what people are willing to agree to? That we have answers already, and that the issue is uh, shifting lifestyle and living more compatibly with the earth. Yeah, I'm not sure if. That alone nowadays could still solve it because we need to, for example, have agriculture in a scaled version because we have so much population to feed. 
So I think, yeah, we probably need to, we need to scale down, like in some countries, I don't think it would be fair for every country because the US and European countries have been historically uh, being the major contributor to this problem. So it wouldn't be fair to tell now countries that just started to develop. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> no, not at all. It would be, I mean, seriously leaning heavily on countries that were responsible for things like that, like exactly like the United States moving into other countries and then establishing the same practices. Yeah, but researchers have shown yeah. that that wouldn't be enough nowadays. Like it's already too late for just... Um, you know, changing our habits. We need that and we need to like extract CO2 from the from the um, environment and so on. So we would need both. Right, all of it. Yeah, we need everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you're right. Um, it's very difficult though with the economic model, I don't know, to you know, you know how it is with having constant growth that we need. Yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge issue. It's, it's, and also but that without it, that... Yeah, but also without it, we cannot afford all those programs and, and Medicare and, and, and healthcare for people that don't have money and support for you know, for science and all of this is based on that we have a constant growth to be able to afford this. So it's like a catch 22, I think. Is that what you say? In That's the number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very hard. I don't know. That's why I'm saying I, I hope AI can come up with solutions because it's very complicated. And I don't think none of a singular person has enough knowledge about all the issues involved to come up with a big scale solution. I don't know, but I don't know, maybe, maybe not. It just needs to come up with a solution for greed so that the decisions that we make are made with a social and environmental conscience, you know, especially, especially decision, decisions that involve working at scale. And then, um, you know, and then socialism. But we had a really good snow here. We had a really great snow on Tuesday. Just speaking of cold weather, because it's been really cold here too. You know, like it's like minus five in the mornings at Celsius. We just kind of get a pretty snow that doesn't, it doesn't really stick for very long. So it doesn't have a chance to get dirty. It just has a chance to make everything beautiful. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's the prettiest snow. It's right in the beginning. So that's yes, nice. And we, we had a very big, big snow yesterday, but uh, today most of them uh, were melted because of the sunshine. <laughs> Darn that sun. <laughs> <laughs> Do you participate in any winter sports? Long? 
Sorry. I was wondering if you participate in any winter sports involving snow, oh. so you can take advantage of that. No, I, I play basketball inside. So that's a winter sport <laughs> because otherwise <laughs> you'd be outside. <laughs> okay, cool. Good for you. I hope I can try skating in the future. Oh, it's... right. Are you in the city? Are you in New York City? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm in in Amston, a small city near Chicago. Oh, in Chicago. Okay, great. Um, they must have outdoor. I was asking. I thought you were in the city because, but Evanston must have as well outdoor skating rinks. I don't mean, know. You could probably just skate on the river, but it's <laughs> such a beautiful thing to do. There aren't any, there's nothing to hold on to like in an indoor rink. Well, unless you find an outdoor rink, it's just a beautiful thing. Even if you're just learning, I encourage you to try to find an outdoor rink because it's, it's just, it is beautiful and invigorating and it's nothing yeah, like yeah. skating indoors. It's special. I don't know whether it is easy or not. Maybe it's very difficult for me. <laughs> but when you fall, you slide. But, oh, sorry, Katarina. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say it's. It's. I feel like it's less harmful than inline skating, like on the pavement, because there it really hurts if you fall on the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really nice. I. I I also like skiing. I don't know if you can try out uh, in a small slope or if you don't like going down the hill because some of my family doesn't like the feeling of going down the hill and uh, the, um, the skiing where you just walk basically. What's the name? Cross, cross, well, country. cross country skiing, but, but yeah. you can, you can do a lot on that, that, that isn't walking, but what I would recommend is just snowshoeing. Just get yourself some snowshoes. Oh yeah. And then put them on, and then you're good to go. You can go up and down. You're like a tractor. It's that's my favorite thing. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Oh, we have already eight eight p.m. So we can start. This was a nice chat. Thank you. And Thank you. Um, <laughs> welcome everyone to Science Society. And I know people will still keep coming in uh, but um, let's start with introductions uh, so the audience gets to know you a little bit and um, and we'll go from there so welcome everyone and of course a special welcome to you Long and um, um, Long um, he was born in Jiangxi province in China and he did his bachelor degree in bioinformatics at the Huanzong University of Science and Technology. And then he did his PhD degree at the Fudan University in inorganic chemistry in the lab of Professor Guo Qingying Ying in 2017. And after that, he moved to Northwestern University as a postdoctoral fellow uh, in Professor Sir Fraser Stoddart. Um, and he, where he's working on the rotational design of catenanes and rotaxanes uh, using radical radical interactions. And um, this is 
um, I posted the paper that we are discussing uh, for everyone in the chat and also the website of Northwestern University and on top is the slide presentation. But before we go into the slide presentation, Victoria would like to ask you a few questions if that's okay. Thank you. Thank you for your kind introduction. Yeah. It's my pleasure to be here to talk to you guys about our recent research. So. Well, thank you again for your generosity, Long. We're so excited to have you here in Science Society, and we look forward to learning about your research. And we'd also like to hear a bit about you to help deepen our understanding of your focus and your process, maybe. So my question is, if you can think about where in your lifetime, and this can include in your childhood or anywhere along your life, when you felt drawn toward an interest in science, or, and then maybe where your passion came from. Oh, uh, about the question. So I, I think it might be when I was around 10, 10 years old. So my mother is a, a high school teacher in uh, sport, not not in science. So, but but. Uh, one day, I think he, he, he may bring some essay from from school from 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 from, from the school lab and uh, and and for me to to play the weights when I drop drop the essay on on the surface of some rocks, it, some some bubbles were generate generated. So, they, I think from from that that little experiment, I. I found my love in, in chemistry and that's why I, after I graduate from HUST, uh, so I, I changed my major from bioinformatics and, and, and back to uh, chemistry. So I, I think I, I love, love, love chemistry better than bioinformatics because I, 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 I'm not good at coding things. So that's it. Yeah, thank you. And it's, that is, it is so interesting to hear when, when this happens in people's lives, it's often um, in childhood and maybe there's a parent or a relative who, who also has an interest or even a career and shares something. And, and so to hear what the spark was for you, um, it's a great introduction to hearing more about your work. So can you then take us along your path from when you did decide to major then in chemistry? And I have to agree with you. <laughs> it yeah. sounds way more fun. It is. Um, to up to today, to the work that you're about to present. So maybe some, some major points along that pathway that you can share with us, please. So you mean some story behind... Uh the research or are you asking me to clarify my question yes yeah. please okay. yeah thank <laughs> you very much so to clarify my question you had mentioned then that you changed your major back to chemistry yes and so there you are in working on your education and here you are today about to present this work about electric molecular motor 
Maybe you can share with us some of the key moments in that journey from there to here that helped shape your work or your even the um, you know, transition to your thought to what you're doing today. Maybe some some things that influenced you or challenging moments that shifted your way of thinking or that helped you. Okay. So I think it's uh, mostly because of the my PhD background. Uh, as as the introduction by Katarina, I, I did my PhD in uh, Fudai University, but but the major is in organic. Actually, I'm working on some uh, project re related to coordination, Jaiwen self assembly uh, by some. Uh, organic, organ, organometallic uh, complexes. So the major uh, thing is still in the field of supermolecular chemistry. So, uh, and I'm very interested in uh, supermolecular chemistry, especially uh, for some, for the unique mechanical bond, which I will introduce uh, in my talk and uh, it's a kind of uh, we can say it's a kind of new chemical bond and uh, so and then up, up, after I uh, get my PhD and then I, I decide to find a postdoc and because of because of uh, I think because I think uh, Mechanical bond is very very interesting, and then I I I send uh, Professor Stoddart email to to see if I have the opportunity to to uh, uh, do research in his his lab. But but at the at the beginning, maybe he received too too many emails. I I didn't have have the feedback from. From him, but at that time, uh, it's uh, in in March twenty seventeen. He has a chance. I have a chance uh, to meet him in person because he went to Fudan University to get a award. So because uh, in to and mostly because uh, he become very famous uh, in 2016 and he, he is one of the uh, Nobel laureate uh, in chemistry that this year uh, at, at that year so and uh, after I, I met him in person and I gave him my CV and uh, then after several days he said yes he said yes and I'm so happy that I, I, I can have th this opportunity to to move to Northwestern University uh, here in United States and to do the research about the mechanically interlocked molecules and uh, and finally and we, we, we made this uh, electrical molecular motor based on uh, three catenin. 
Thank you. That's actually an exciting story. It had some twists and turns, you know, like a, <laughs> a, a nervous moment. Maybe you wouldn't get what you wanted, but you did. I, I also um, I want to thank you very much for that, that extra info. I want to welcome Dr. Shaw, who's here to join us. We're so happy to see you, Dr. Shaw, always. And Jeremy in the audience mentions in the room chat that he loves snowboarding. So that was one winter sport that we neglected to mention. So yep. maybe long he'll take up snowboarding. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so at this point, the mic will be yours. You're welcome to dive into your discussion. Katarina has shared your Google Doc so people can follow along. And then we are here, um, Katarina, Dr. Shaw, and I, to help with if anybody puts questions for you in the room chat or if you have something else you wanted us to share there. And also to field questions if people would like to come up from the audience. So unless you have any other questions for us at this point, the mic is yours. And we're so grateful and excited to hear what you have to share. Okay, great, great. Thank you very much, and thank you all of you uh, to join Clubhouse to hear my story. So I'm glad to to share with you. So let's see the slide uh, from the link, and uh, as you can see, the first slide is uh, a, a structure of the electrical market motor. So uh, my name is Long 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 Zhang. And uh, from Northwestern University. So let's begin. So talking about motors, and seeming that nature m made motors before before human humankind much earlier than humankind found it, and because nature major motors is very very tiny in 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 our bodies in, in the cells. And they are, they are very important. For for instance, that uh, a motor proteins known as ATP synthesis produce, which which produce the more the ATP, and uh, it is, and as we know, ATP is a short-term storage and transfer transfer of energy. So they are they are they are often are we we cannot. Live without without of them, and uh, and bef uh, about two hundred years ago, and and human humankind made the first electric motor, and that's why we we have e uh, the electric cars today, and uh, we also can find it in many machines like coffee green green automatic coffee. Grinders and they they help us they help us perform works in in our everyday lives, so they are very important. But but compared with the natural uh, molecular motor, is still very big. So can we shrink the motor? And this is the question uh, arised by Professor uh, Richard Feynman, and uh, he is a very famous. Uh, physicist uh, at Caltech. So in, and the story about him and uh, 
the small smallest motor is a uh, begin at in December 1959 and at at that uh, after after a dinner talk to the West Coast section of the American Physical Society, he he, he gave his famous lecture, and that ti- which he titled "There's platinum of wrong at the bottom." So, in his in his speech, he he not he announced that it is his intention to offer a prize of one thousand dollars to the first guy who make and operating electric motors, which is only uh, one, only 0.4 millimeters cube. So, which is like a 16 fourth inch. And after the talk, a physicist who won a Nobel Prize in 1916 and Don Glaser and uh, he he told he told Feynman, you should have made it smaller, but that's the thing that, but but Feynman seems seems very confident. However, up after one just after one year, a previous graduate grad, graduate student, uh, Bill Mac 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 uh, from from Caltech. He, he, he did it. And uh, as we can see from the slide, uh, he made uh, very, very tiny uh, motors. And uh, in the bottom picture, and the Feynman will check, check the, uh, check the McLellan's motors under the mi- um, microscope. And, and uh, uh, Bio won the, won the $1,000. Uh, $1, uh, but uh, Feynman was a little disappointed, but not because he lost the $1,000. Actually, it's, it's, it's because it's, the, the motor was made by, uh, wasn't made by new method. So, and the Feynman thought, maybe we, we should use uh, new technology to make it. So even though, uh, the motor itself didn't produce what Feynman wanted, but the result get everybody interested in this field, and uh, and uh, and the motor was indeed the smallest electric motor at, at that time in 1960. But compared with the natural motor motor, it it was still too big. So, can electric motor electric motor be smaller than that yeah as the science and technology developed during the past 50 years so now we have nanotechnology and uh, the next slide is a very good examples so it's a dna uh, microscopic electric motor so last year a research team led by uh, the Diaz from from Technical University of Munich, he produced the first molecular electric motors, actually, uh, 
electron motor using DNA origami method, which which made made of which made of is made of uh, DNA self assemblies and uh, can convert the electric energy into kinetic energy. And uh, this motor is can can be uh, divided to three parts, and one is uh, uh, ba base, and the other is a platform, and uh, and uh, also a rotor. So, so the platform is very important. is very important, as we can see. Uh, it is between the base and the rotor arm, and it contains obstacles that can influence the movement of the rotor arm. If we look at uh, more clearly to, to, to the platform, we, we, we may see some si similarity uh, uh, be between it and uh, the ratchet gears in our daily life. So, and that's why uh, the motors can have the unidirection motion. And also, uh, if we look at the rotor arm, it, it's around 500 nanometer, which is actually uh, 1,000 times smaller than uh, MacLeland's uh, electric motor. So it's a very big uh, breakthrough. And, uh, but can, the question is still there, can, can we make a smaller one? And the answer is yes. And, uh, and actually, uh, somebody already did it in 2011. And it's uh, Professor Sex Group uh, at the Tufts uni University uh, in Boston area. And uh, he made he, he, his group and uh, some other co-workers co made the world's smallest electric motor. It's a single molecule motors, only in, only in one nanometer wide. And uh, as we can see from the, uh, the right uh, figures, it only contains five carbon atoms plus one uh, yellow sulfur atom and, uh, and uh, several hydrogen atoms. So, but uh, the operation of these single molecule motors will require STM, and which you can find in the, in the figure, uh, in the photo of uh, Professor uh, Sachs, at the red, red square. And, and behind the window, it is the STM. And uh, there's another maybe student who is working on it. So uh, we, we need to use the STM tips to give the motor e electrons so that it can rotate on the corporate surface. And, but it's, it is not easy to get the STM and the, and the, if we want to use the STM with ultra high vacuum system, it, it is not cheap. So can we do it in another way, in a 
So synthetic chemists have the uh, the own way to to solve this problem. If we look at the next slide, artificial molecular motors. So here are two remarkable examples, and the top one uh, is from Professor Ben Franga's group, and Ben is a Dutch organic chemist. He he was awarded the 2016 Nobel Prize in Chemistry together with my boss, Sir Fraser Stollard and uh, uh, Jean-Pierre Sawaj for the design and synthesis molecular machine. And uh, his motor is a light-driven rotary, rotary motors based on overcrowded alkenes. So a full, a full 360 rotation process of his motor included two photochemical chain synthesis isomerization, which are each followed by a thermal irreversible helix inversion. And, and the bottom uh, one is from David Lay's group at Manchester University in UK. And uh, Professor David is, is one time student of uh, my boss. So we, we can say uh, we are in the same group. We are from the same group. So uh, he's a very uh, famous scientist in the, in, in, in the field. And he made a lot of beautiful work uh, of molecular machine. So in the figure, the motor developed by his group is based on a three catenin. So a three catenin is made of two small rings interlocked with a larger ring. And the two rings can rotate in independently and the unidirectionality around the larger ring. When, but but in, in his case, he's using chemical fields just like biological molecular motors employ. And, uh, but we, if you use chemical fields, it will generate waste. So uh, can we make uh, electric molecular motors since we, we now have light, light driven chemical, can we make an electric one? So that's why we, we, we doing the research uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about. So, but first, before that, I would like to introduce mechanical bonds. So the next slide is mechanical bonds and uh, what is mechanical bond? We know chemi chemical bonds, uh, there are three kinds of chemical bond, ionic and covalent and uh, metallics. And the common issue is, uh, of them is sharing electrons. And for mechanical bond, I would say uh, the 10 of mechanical bond was used not in molecular, uh, in chemistry, and, but in our daily life. So some, some, but we can find the mechanical bonds in many, many of things like toys as we can see here from, from, from uh, the right, right figures. So the toys, uh, most of uh, child, including my son, have, have, have planned like uh, very often. And uh, it contains some rings and uh, some blocks, but 
interlocked with uh, a string or other things. But if we shrink the toys into molecular size, so then we, we will have the mechanical bonds between molecules. And there are two kinds of molecules named catenin and uh, rotaxins. So catenin is based on two interlocked rings and rotaxin is based on a ring molecule thread over axles with two bulky group, the green, the green one. And uh, so that the ring cannot thread outside. So it's form the mechanical bond. So unless we break a correlated bond, either of the ring or or the, the axles, then then only only in that way the, the ring can come out. So we can separate the the component inside the uh, rotaxin or catenin. So uh, talking about the mechanical bond, I would say my boss, uh, Sir Fraser Stolat, play a, a key role in in the creation of such kind of bonds. And uh, the next slide, mechanically interlocked molecules. And so if we look at the cover, cover art uh, on, the, on the slide, on the right part of the slide eight of unwanted chemi in 1989, this is a, a breakthrough. Uh, for the creation of the two catenin. So the two catenin uh, is the yield of the two catenin is 70%. So it's uh, the, the formation of the catenin is used a, don, a, a method called donor acceptor uh, templation. So before that, and like, uh, Six years ago, uh, Professor Sawaj used metal ion templations, achieved the high yield, uh, high yield uh, uh, formation of the cat, uh, catenin compound. But except that, that examples, so that the yield of to form the mechanical bond is very, very low, like. Uh, 0.001%. And we can only, we can only see, see the formation of, of the, 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 the product in mass spectra. So, and because of that, and, and after that, uh, many people were joined this field to, to make the mechanical interlocked molecule. And then, and in, in, in the, in, in the group, after two years, and uh, uh, Fraser made their first molecule shuttles. So it is the ring molecules which can, the, the, the blue ring, can switch in between the two binding sites. It's the, the benzene, two benzene sites on the linear axles. So it can switch very fast because because the ring has uh, the same uh, binding affinities on, on the two, two benzene rings. 
so it it shuttle very fast. So this is the the beginning of 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 the field field of market machine. So and then after that, and uh, it's about thirty years, more than thirty years, and now we can see. Uh, we we produced a complex and uh, uh, more complex mercury machines like motors with function with uh, more fun function fu functions. But but before that, we we need thanks thanks to the pioneers for the work on on this on the. Mechanical bond. So, and then now we come to the radical pairing interaction, which is very essential to synthesize the electrical mercury motors uh, we made. So, talking about uh, radical pairing interaction, it's just like electric electrostatic force. So, the like the charge. We know the like 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 charge will repel each other, and opposite charge will attract each other, and it's indeed the same as the radical origins. When so the two plus uh, blue blocks is uh, is is origin. So the origin is a organic reductive uh, molecules. Which can undergo to one electron reduction in steps, so it's a uh, bipyridine. And uh, if we reduced it to its radical state, ra radical state give it uh, give it give give one electron to it. And uh, we, if we also have a rings, which on the left on its left. Uh, it's in uh, the reason why it's in blue color because uh, once we uh, reduce the biogen to its radical state, it, the the solution color is blue. So, but if we mix both uh, the ring and uh, dimethyl biogen together in reducing condition, the magic thing is that the, the dimethyl biogen that the lead, uh, can go inside the ring to form a complex, complex uh, molecule. So, but, and if we oxidize the complex, and uh, then they will dissociate because of the chromic repulsion. And so then we can use the, this, uh, properties to design an uh, energy ratchet. And then we now come to the next slide. So the energy ratchet, to design the energy ratchet, we, we need to have some unique uh, unique uh, units on the linear linear uh, we, we, we can say it's dumbbell dumbbell like axle. So we know ratchet gear in our day life. Uh, the ratchet, if we have a design, 
of ratchet, it will allow uh, only one direction motion. And uh, if we make one, made a uh, one charged here on the left figure, if we made a one charged group, which we use pure linear uh, on the left, and the, the other one, the neutral green unit with which provide a steric barrier to prevent the rings came from the right side. So now we can look at the motion. Firstly, we reduce it, and because the ring changed from four positive charge and to two positive charge. So it's it now can thread past the Pudinian, the, the only one charged uh, blue unit on the left. And uh, and this reflect on the uh, energy surface that the barrier was decreased. And so the, the ring can move, move uh, can pass the barrier and uh, go to bind the the center virgin binding site, and uh, and now the the the, the center virgin become an energy well to check it, and after that, if we oxidize it, the repulsion, the columbic repulsion will will come back, and the barrier from the left will increase. So this time the ring can only have one way to go is to pass over the uh, green neutral steric barrier and go to the right side. So here I would say it's just uh, surfing on the energy surface just like surfing on the on the sea. So, and the difference is that we use energy from uh, fluctuation to regulate uh, the, the motion. So, and after design the energy ratchet, so we, we, we build the artificial molecule pumps in our group and, uh, and that it, the, it was done by uh, two previous group members, uh, Chu Yangchen, and he, he now is a professor in Sichuan University in China, and he produced the first generation uh, molecule pump based on the ratchet, uh, energy ratchet, I say. And then Christian Pizzatos, uh, he, he he is now a uh, assistant professor of University of Padova in Italy. He made the second generation. It's just like iPhone 8 to iPhone 10, iPhone X. So, and uh, the, the the molecule pump is is uh, as shown in in the middle uh, figure. And uh, it's a linear. It's a base. It's a rotation-based pump. Uh, has a linear axles, and can 
can pump the rinse from the solution and uh, into the collecting chain on the on the linear axles, but with the as as stoppers to to check the the rings on on the collecting chain. It can continuous work uh, through multi multiple redox cycles. So it, every redox cycle can pump one rings onto the collecting chain uh, by utilizing the energy ratchet mechanism. So as we can see, the rings. We, if we reduce the rings, uh, the ring can go into uh, the middle between the blue and green uh, component, and then oxidize the the ring will choose to uh, follow the green arrows pass over the green unit and uh, to the gray cracking chain. And uh, we publish a lot of work on, on this field, but but we haven't before. Uh, based on based on this uh this previous result, Christian has a, a simple idea. Just uh, if we can connect the head and the tails of the pump, then we we can made uh, uh, to cat motors but but it's not easy work so the synthesis of the two cutting motor hasn't been done yet and because of some problems and I think one of the biggest problems is that we cannot find a way to prove whether it's achieved the unidirectional notion or, or not because after uh, after every redox cycles, a two cateny will always become its returning its original state. So then I came out the idea to make uh, a three cateny. Now we came to the next slide: molecular design and the six structures. Here we we can treat the the uh, the design of the three cutting like we we use Lego to build a, a structure like that. So the Lego unit we need to use is uh, a crimby barrier, and that's it's the epididinian, and uh, we need to. Uh, Biogen recognition site, which we we can use, we can use the uh, uh, repulsion and attraction, and we also need need to need uh, the green unit, the steric barrier, functional as a one way gate, a ratchet unit, so so that we can have the energy ratchet, and the, and to to form the ring. And we, we, we will use click reactions to generate a triazo group uh, in pink color. And this is the final step. And, uh, and we have uh, linkers between the two biogen recognition sites named the BPM biphenyl methylene linkers, which is a rel relative rigid linkage. And uh, the, the rigid part of the the unit is, is that we can 
it has only one nanometer wide. And, uh, and because of the lens, we can have some interactions between the rings once the rings on the recognition site so that we can form the, we can do the ring closing reaction easily. And that's why uh, uh, we, we can make it. And, uh, and the structure is just like what uh, the, the models on the left, it's, uh, it's not a crystal structure, it's a computational structure. So we see two rings on like three and nine cross position of the uh, larger ring interlocked with the larger ring. So how, how it works? How it works? So here is the mechanism on the how it works slide. And but before talking about it, we, we need name uh, the left ring, ring A and the right ring, ring, ring B, AB. We distinguish them so that we can see the position after one redox cycle. So first step is to reduce the three cathodine. We give give the molecule three six electrons, and now all the virogen units will become become to radical one radical and one charge state, and that color will show the here is uh, purple because the solution color is purple. And uh, then the ring will start to to move. So because the steric, the green unit is function uh, functioned as a steric uh, ratchet unit. So the ring will be prevented to go back from to the bottom, but and the only way it can go is to pass over the. Uh, one charge the pyridinian uh, unit, the blue one, and to uh, go to the top, the top o'clock, and uh, then ring B will, will go to the six o'clock, the, the six position. And uh, after that, we can oxidize the, the molecules and by taking away the six electrons and uh, and because of the repulsions between the component, so the rings will starting to move. And uh, also because uh, one charge the pyridinian uh, on the left side of ring A, and ring A will choose to move to the right side because right side have had no repulsions. And then this will influence the motion of the ring B. Because on, on ring B, uh, both left and the right has no repulsions, but uh, ring A will choose to move to the to the right. And and the interaction, the electrostatic interaction between ring A and ring B will force ring B to move to the left to pass over the green steric barrier. And now ring A and ring B is on the sixth and uh, uh, on the three and the nine position. As we can see after one redox cycle, ring and then ring B exchanges the position. 
and this how the motor works during one redox cycle. And another redox cycle will, will bring the two rings go back to its original state. So, but why we need two rings in in the design, in this design? And uh, if we look at the two, uh, only one small ring on the la larger rings is uh, two catenates. We calculate the energy landscape of this molecule, of these two catenates, as shown in uh, on the right part, like a lower coaster style. And uh, in the oxygen, in the oxidized state, the ring will trapped be between the two valent units as as uh, the biphenyl, the by the black component on the la larger rings functional as the energy well. And uh, if we reduce reduce it and then go back, the ring will always trapped it, it. So which means it should have never have no chance to pass over both the green unit or the blue unit. So, so that's why we 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 need a second ring. So the two cutting is only a market switch switch from here to there. So to prove I am a synthetic chemist, so I show a slide of the synthesis of the three catenin and uh, is the final step of, of this of the synthesis. So we mix the ring and the linear uh, the linear axles under the reducing conditions uh, in, in the acetonitrile solution. So the ring two two rings will bind on on the uh, linear axles because of the bipyridine radical recognition site. And uh, then we add some Cooper-1 uh, catalysis to, to, to do the click reaction. And, and then the, the click re reaction will happen so to close the ring. And now we can oxidize it to get the final product. And the yield is good and uh, it's around 40%. So it's good to, to, to have that kind of yield to, to, to have a three cation. It's not easy to, to make mechanical bond. So, and now we, uh, after get the product, we can oxidize it, we can characterize it using uh, some technique like uh, protein EMA. So we, we test it according to the spectrum we got, we can confirm the position of the two rings. So one is on the, uh, on the nine, nine clock and the other one is on, on the three clock position. So, and, and for the reduced state, we, we can, because it's a paramagnetic, uh, we cannot get the uh, MR 
but uh, we fortunately get the crystal structures. Crystal, I, I think every, every camp is like crystals. So it's, it's a, the most uh, uh, straightforward to, to see the molecule, the structure of the molecule. Now, now we get the, the crystal structure, we can confirm the, the binding of the rings on the two biogen. But inside here is the purple, uh, purple part, and we can see, and we also can see the whole, uh, the whole structure of the larger rings. Just uh, uh, as we we made. So the size of the the whole molecule is around uh, two nanometers length and uh, 1.5 nanometer wide and the depth is maybe one nanometer so and it's very nice to have the crystal structure and uh, after that we need to demonstrate we can use electricity to operate it and then we do the uh, redox cycles in the uh, electrochemical uh, cell. So in this uh, oxidized state, the solution is, the color of the solution is colorless. But if we set the uh, reduction potential to negative uh, 0.5 volt, and then the solution will be reduced uh, to purple color, which is a uh, uh, characteristic of character of the chase radical complex, and demonstrate that the rings was uh, moved to the uh, biogen recognition site, and then we can set reset the potential to positive zero point seven, and which can oxidize the radical state and back to the fully charged state, oxide state. And the solution will come back to colorless. So, and until now, we just demonstrate uh, the molecule can be switched between the oxides and, and, and this reduced state. We, we need to find some evidence for the unidirectional motion. So how can we uh, make, make, make it? How can we demonstrate it? And uh, here is our solution. We synthesized the uh, deuterium labeled small rings. So we, we incorporate it with, with another ring to form a delabeled three-catenin. So that now we have a, a delabeled small rings on the nine clock position unlabeled the rings on the three clock position. So as I showed uh, in in the mechanism, after one redox cycle, the two rings will have position switch. So showing the MR spectrum will be the signal switch. Uh, so according to the signals, uh, and we, we, we indeed see the signals of related to the, the rings switched uh, 
according to the integrals of the uh, uh, signals, we can calculate the efficiency to be 85%, and which means uh, in the solution, 85% of the silicatinine molecules has finished uh, unidirectional motions. But the rest of 50% will go, uh, is go, uh, what's go back to, what's going back to its original state. So it's not uh, doing a reverse cycle like that, but, but, but just uh, going back to its original state. So this is one evidence. Another evidence is uh, meta step state we observed uh, during, during the re uh, reaction. So we, after we oxidize the reduced state, we immediately take, uh, took the protein MR and uh, as shown in the red, red color in the spectrum, spectra. And it's, it is much com complexer than the, its original, original uh, spectrum. And uh, many, many other peaks sh were shown. And after analyzing it, we find out it's a meta step state. And uh, one of the position of, of the ring can be confirmed from the spectra. And that is one of the ring uh, was encircled on the uh, top part of the uh, biphenyl methane, the, the, the black unit, and the other one was just uh, was encircled the green unit. Was going to pass it away, but not because of the barrier. So this is another another evidence for for the rings what uh, for the rings unidirectional motion. And uh, and and this is pr a pretty pretty all about the the, the research. And now I, I'm going. The next slide is some story behind the, the uh, this research, and it's. It is about the mechanical, uh, uh, quantum mechanical calculation. So, because our molecule is, has uh, hundreds of atoms and has two rings, and and the two rings will have interactions, not not uh, with on not only with with the larger ring, but also the two ring, uh, some some the two rings will have interaction between each other. So we, we seek, uh, we seek the help, uh, for with calculation, uh, from Bill Goddard from Caltech, uh, at the beginning of 2021. And, uh, he replayed us and uh, sent us a schedule for the two meetings. The first round, I thought, oh, we have four months, four months, two meetings on every uh, Sunday week, uh, every week Sundays. Do we need uh, so many meetings? But actually, after the first round, we have second round and third round. 
So the total numbers of the Zoom meeting we have to discuss the calculation is 59. And uh, it took us more than one year. And and and, uh, and because of the, we, we are from, uh, Bill is from Cal Caltech and, uh, and Dean, another uh, professor uh, from, he's a, he's a, a physicist, he's a mercury machine theorist. So he's a professor at Maine University and Wei Guang, uh, a postdoc from, a, a former postdoc uh, from Bill's group, and uh, we all from uh, different areas. So, but we we spend uh, like one hours on every week, every Sunday week to discuss these calculations. So it's just uh, like a routine things uh, for one year, it's, it's was a lot of fun. And uh, the next slide is the timeline for the research. So at the beginning, at the beginning June, 2018, I have the idea to synthesize, synthesize uh, the, the three catenines. I have the design, but after uh, three months, I, I, I get it. It took me three months to get it, to 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 make it, to synthesize it. So, uh, at that time, I thought I will finish the project very soon. So, but it's it eventually take me more than four years. So, in after we get it, we we need to think about how to. Prove it, prove the unidirection motions. Until uh, 2019, I get the idea to delabel one of the blue box, one of the small rings. And then, luckily, in April 2019, I get the crystal structures of the three catenine in radical state. And then, uh, it's another uh, six months. Uh, we uh, we observe the metastability and anal and analyze it, and then we we I produce the first draft, but unfortunately, uh, the COVID happened, so and uh, we our lab was shut down and the university was shut down for like more than half a year. And then back to 2021, and we, we returned to the lab and, uh, and uh, modify, but during that time, we modified the, the analysis wave for several times. And uh, my boss thought we might need to uh, do some calculations to get more insight of the mechanism. So we, we seek help from uh, Bill Goddard at Caltech and uh, it took, as I, I showed, I talked be, uh, before, we, we took 
more than one year to finish the calculation. And then we we finish it. So now we can see we after the calculation, we, we combine the calculation part and the experiment part. And uh, we we revise the manuscript and decide to submit to science firstly. But unfortunately, uh, it seems like the editor uh, doesn't didn't like our research and and uh, he didn't send it out uh, for reviewing. And then we, we submit to Nature and finally accept it. And we, we, are, we were very uh, happy to see the result. So now we can compare the, uh, because uh, I show, I, I told that uh, Professor Lee also made a three cutting motor, a chemical, chemically driven. So five years ago, so what's the difference? And uh, I think the major difference that uh, because we, we use the electricity as a power, so we, we are, the motor we made is an electric motor, which means no waste will be produced. And another one is that uh, in our case, we don't need to break any covalent bond. So it means it's a simple design and uh, the efficiency uh, the unit dictionality is similar around 80%, but the time scale in, in our case, it's much faster. So we can finish it uh, one uh, 180 degree rotation within uh, several minutes if we use electricity, but if we use chemical as a fuel, it can be uh, finished in few seconds. So we can call our motor is a hybrid one, hybrid motor powered by electricity or chemicals. So the next print of uh, this, of our research is, is put, put the motor on the surface because if we leave it in the solution, so no useful work uh, was being done. But if we are able to uh, attach these motors on the surface, maybe some useful work will be, uh, be done in such kind of way. So here is two kinds of way. We can make a two catenin and a three catenin type. And uh, how to make, how to attach it uh, then on the surface that we can function one of the uh, small rings. And so that uh, like we, 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 we attach a chain, a linear chain, which has a sulfur atoms on it. And so the sulfur atoms will can anchors on on the metal surface like copper or gold, so that uh, the, the the catenins can can many of the catenins can attach on an electrode. So if we we can we have some uniform, uh, we can attach the catenins in a uniform way. Then maybe 
we can use it to to clean the surface of the electrode or or move some small molecules on the surface. So it's just a, a future plan. And talking about the Louis future, if we look at uh, the synthetic molecule motor, I, I would say are much, are still much less capable than uh, either uh, biological or microscopic counterpart. But if we look at the first electric motor made by Noise Jet uh, in nineteen twenty eight, two thousand years ago, uh, two hundred years ago. And uh, I don't, I don't know uh, at that time what people think it can do anything. But now we have Tesla electric car, and uh, and which is made based on this, uh, the same principle of electric motor, uh, electric motors. So have a high speed and uh, can, we can drive, we can, it, it can be used to, to move us to anywhere too. But so now we have the, uh, I would say, uh, electric motor motors and uh, after, 50 years or 100 years or 200 years, what would happen? I don't know. Maybe, maybe we, we, we may, uh, we will have a molecular robot, but, but to realize it, I can say it definitely needs, need other scientists from, uh, like physicists, or engineer, or materials, all us came together and work together to and collaborate, collaborate together. Only this way can we we can see the molecular robot in the future. So, yeah, this is oh, the final slide. Is uh, many thanks to my mentor and to collaborator and uh, first of, uh, Professor Stoddart and uh, Professor Goddard and uh, Professor Astumian for the great support to in, in this project and uh, also my collaborators. And many of them uh, during the past five years has become uh, professors in academia and uh, some of them are still in the lab. And uh, many thanks to all of you, to the audience, and uh, any questions are uh, warmly welcome, so. Well, thank you so much, Long. This was such a beautiful story with like success and, but also <laughs> like pain <laughs> and struggle and success again. And this was so much hard work um, thank you for sharing also the path that, um, you know, the timeline and the path and how much work it was and how many meetings um, and so on this took 
because uh, that gives us really uh, a peek behind the curtain. So thank you for this wonderful talk. You brought us the story uh, on many different levels and aspects of this work, the technical, but also the human part and the <laughs> hard work part. So this was really wonderful. Thank you so much. And um, my question, and then uh, we I'll give uh, the mic to other others here on the stage that for sure have questions. I wanted to ask, you mentioned a little bit the upside um, of uh, your um, molecular motor. Um, does also, I, I read that also the conditions are easier to, um, to have this functioning, right? Before um, the temperature needed to be, or, or did it, need to be even in a vacuum uh, what are the conditions in the that these motors can function oh just the room temperature and uh, the only thing is that uh, it's we, we need put it in inert atom atmosphere which uh, don't uh, which doesn't contain oxygen because oxygen will uh, oxidize the reduced state so if we want to just use it electricity to reduce and oxidize it and then we we need to recruit uh, uh, the oxygen so that's it yeah that's a huge upside also right to the previous uh, the, the the previous designs that you can just have it in room temperature yeah yeah so for yeah. the thing single molecules uh, motors I think uh, the other there that they need to measure the the rotations at a very low temperature because like uh, 5k because at low temperature maybe like they said in 100k uh, so the rotation for for the single molecule is around uh, 1 million times per second so we can imagine at uh, Room temperature maybe, maybe hundreds million per second. So, yeah, and to produce a lot of these motors, let's say you know for I don't know microchip company to keep their you know their components clean <laughs> or something like how how many of these motors could be produced and and would it be very expensive or oh you know? so uh for this one uh compared with the three castings uh developed by david lace group professor lace group so the the, mol the molecule uh, needs 25 step synthesis so it's not easy but for our one only four steps based on some previous uh, processors uh, it, it are needed. So we can make it in, right now, I would say in several meter, uh, milligrams as no problem or 100 milligrams or grand scales if we have uh, enough materials. So it's not too difficult to make it. Wow, that's so impressive. Uh, that's wonderful. Thank you. And now I'll pass along 
to um, I don't know Victoria if you had more questions if not Dr. Shah and then we can just go in order thank you let's pass to Dr. Shah thank you yeah thank you so much Lang, for your wonderful talk so two aspects just came to my mind that I had a question about it one of them is the combination of these uh, molecular motors with the synthetic polymers and how it might be the result for example if we want to consider something like the poly uh, for example electrolyte membranes how they are functioning properly and what might be the result for example in a case of the stability or uh, a specific selectivity or multi-responsiveness do you have any further information or do you think how it might be working that way so for the uh if we talking about uh, the motors we made if we touch it on a membrane or some other polymers the, the first uh, question the, or the first issue is that how can we let the molecule the motors get the electron or lose lose their electron easily. So, why why I I prefer to attach the the, the three cutting the motors on an electrode is because once we attach it on on the electrode surface, it can easily be reduced or oxidized it much faster than it one is the molecules in in solution. But it doesn't mean when we uh, put them in the membrane uh, or in in other polymers can cannot cannot uh, be operate because we it, we can use chemicals to reduce it to and to oxidize it. So, but uh, I don't know how can we utilize the unidirection. Uh, if we doing, we we put them in the uh, membrane. Maybe, maybe maybe the rotation of the the, the motor will destroy the membrane, and uh, and uh, in in some literature, some someone actually use motor motor molecules to to do such kinds of things to to kill the cell, and. And this is one, uh, one of the uh, applications I can I would say. But other than this, I don't know. <laughs> so, for example, you can imagine that they can help with the converting the chemical energy, for example, uh, or other kind of fuels into electricity. Yeah. Okay. And uh, actually, they they can do the proton exchange in the same time. Yeah, we can we can we can uh, use the chemical to to reduce in uh, oxide it. But but the uh, uh, it cannot generate electricity. I see. So if it if in some cases it can produce the electricity in the case of the for example for using the uh, small battery power devices or those kind of things oh. in comparison you think that you can compare it for example with some of the cases uh, that we have for example cathode materials 
that they are using in a lithium mm -hmm. ion batteries. Mm -hmm. You mean? Uh, yes, we're uh, considering this hypothesis that they are able to, I mean, convert the electricity. Can you, do you have any idea about the use of that in energy storage or oh, kind of a small battery energy, power? Energy storage. Oh, yes. Talking about that, uh, it so hydrogen units has been used in in, in energy storage in, in the application of energy storage. Someone use it as uh, because it can accept uh, accept electrons and it also can it it is redox active, so it means it can accept electrons or lose it lose them. This is uh, a way. One of the way to to achieve this energy storage, but uh, the thing that uh, why 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 we need to use use a motor molecules to to doing doing this job to do this job, and be, and I think maybe we don't need 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 a motor molecule just uh, some biogen uh, polymers or, or or in other ways. Uh, maybe, or maybe you are right. Maybe we can, uh, use utilize the unidirectional motion, but I don't have a, a, a idea on that. But you are right. Uh, it, it, it can be used, uh, in, in energy storage area. So, so thank you so much for explanation. I'm passing the mic to the next person. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Long. This is a really, uh, Dr. Zhang, rather, this is a very interesting discussion. Definitely learned a lot. I was curious, how long does it take to manufacture this type of motor? Hello, I, I, I didn't hear you, your last part. So what's your question? How long does it take to manufacture this type of motor? Oh, manufacture this type of motor. You mean? Uh, do you mean synthesize this type of motor, or? Yeah. How many? How many days, hours, weeks? Oh, the time frame. <laughs> so once we uh, we overcome the load blocks uh, on the synthesis, uh, we can do it in within one week. But if we have the order. Uh, materials in hand for the reaction of the final step is takes uh, two or three days. Okay, wow. So that's that's a pretty short time frame. Um, do you think there is? Do you think that's as good as it's going to get, or do you think do you see room for improvement on the time frame? Yeah, I, I think that there's still. Uh, pretty long to improve it, and uh, it depends on on the uh, synthetic method. And maybe, maybe in the future, some some green some green synthetic method will will also be developed, like solid synthesis or uh, electron synthesis, or using electro electricity. Just use the electricity to to generate uh, 
the 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 catalyst uh, of the click reaction in, in in shoot so so that we we can do the reaction in in the electrochemical chemical cell maybe yeah we we have a lot to to improve that in the future certainly looking forward to that and last question what do you um what's the most practical application for for this type of technology would you think like if it were to be commercially available tomorrow what do you think would be a typical use for it a typical use of that uh to be honest uh, i would say uh, no uh no application at, at present it's just like uh, a toy a toy for a child. Uh, it's a toy for for like synthetic chemistry like like me. So I think that the most interesting or the most uh, important thing that it's it can can keep keep us imagine imagine the future. So what would happen? So it's not about the application at at, at this time, and uh, it's about what can we do, and uh, and uh, how can we do. And this is my my answer to your question. I appreciate it. Yeah, I understand. Uh, hopefully, there will be uh, you know, at some point there will be some life-saving applications of this technology. So looking forward to that and passing it to Eli. Yeah. Hi, thanks, Dennis. Uh, so um, uh, a couple of quick comments and then uh, uh, some not so quick comments. Um, <laughs> the the uh, molecular machine that, that you drew, you know, with especially, uh, you know, like nanorobots for, for uh, medical applications, I, I honestly don't think it's it's uh, uh, more than two decades away. Hopefully, less than less than one decade away. Um, uh, there there are a lot of shortcuts. Um, anyway, uh, I I really like Dr. Shah's question about the the membrane, and I would encourage you to think about uh, whether. Uh, electron transfer through a conjugated chain like like the chain of beta carotene uh, might uh, uh, get electrons you know to to the middle of a membrane where perhaps the the smaller um, the, the smaller uh, macrocycles are are you know kind of buried because they have uh, uh, long alkyl side chains, right, to to make them hydrophobic, and yeah. then you could you could have the the larger catenin going through two of those, right, so that yeah. it's it's like a conveyor on the membrane, and uh, if the membrane has you know some conjugated molecules like beta carotene, that you know my guess is, and it is only a semi-educated guess, but my guess is that that uh, could do it, especially if if you do something with the head groups to to make them uh convenient in terms of the redox chemistry 
Mm. A very good point. Yes. So uh, the other quick point uh, is that uh, one of the easier things in in your your uh, immobilization to the electrode that uh, uh, would have to be different than what you drew is the um, the macrocycle that's anchored uh, would need two bonds to the surface to keep it from spinning around, or you'd lose orientation. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, but I think that would be easily accomplished by, uh, uh, you know, having substituents on the, the methylene bridges between the aromatic rings. Uh, just like two of those would, would probably, you know, two thiols, two thiol, al- alkyl thiol chains hanging off the side would probably do it. Um, so I, I did think more about, about how to uh, uh, template the, the desired topology uh, from when we last spoke. And so the, 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 the question, and, and if the answer is yes, that would make it uh, uh, easier would be, do you suppose that uh, the, uh, one of the methyls of the isopropyl group and one of the methyls on the, pyrid- the, the dimethyl pyridinium group mm-hmm. could be substituted with, say, uh, hydroxyls? Hydroxyls. I don't know. Maybe it will, will change. Uh, the steric barriers, so maybe it will. It it it's. Uh, hydroxyls maybe. Too big. They're uh, they're not much bigger than methyl groups. Maybe it could. Yeah, if if they have similar size, maybe it could. Maybe so. Could. So if 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 that's the case, there there's probably. A, a large enough range of choices in terms of orthogonal uh, conjugate chemistry, like, you know, selected from bioconjugate chemistry, for example, um, to be able to, to, to uh, make a chain out of the larger uh, macrocycles and then use deep protection chemistry to free them. Do you follow? Uh, you mean made it functional the larger chains with a lo- uh, long, another long uh, chain? Well, okay. So, so remember, we, we want all of the large, if, if you're trying to do what you have on that slide, we want all of the larger macrocycles to be oriented in one direction. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so one way of doing that is to make a head-to-tail chain out of them in some yeah, way. But, but uh, uh, the head, head and tail chain will be on the small rings, not on the larger rings. You could, well, what I'm describing, you could do it on the larger rings. On the larger rings, it will block the motions of the... Well, okay, but, but see, see, this is the thing. You, you use the hydroxyls uh, to make the chain right mm-hmm. but you do it with something that you can you can cleave oh yeah through like standard deprotection chemistry mm-hmm. right so, which can be high yielding mm-hmm. and so this is how you can get all of the 
the large macro cycles pointing in the same direction. There, there's a little bit more to this, uh, but it's things that I've done when I was doing uh, a scanning probe microscopy of, of uh, molecules on surfaces. Uh, so I think this is a very tractable problem. Oh yeah, yeah. Just might be be a, a solution for how how to orientate orientate this molecule in one way. But the the, the problem well back to how to synthesize it, <laughs> how to make it. Yeah, and, and and that's why I asked the the question about the the hydroxyl substitution. Um, you know, I, I don't have uh, so much of a feel for the chemistry mm-hmm. that you used at every step and whether, uh, I mean, you could probably have a prote- have protected hydroxyls mm-hmm. in there. Um, but, you know, that, that always is, is one of the things where you have to get it, go into all of the details to make sure that, that nothing interferes with, with any, any re- other reaction along the way. Mm. Um, but uh, I mean, this this the idea is to turn this into a problem like peptide synthesis or oligonucleotide synthesis. Yeah. Thank so you. Anyway, gl- yeah. glad glad to to discuss it further. Uh, whatever you you feel like it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for those questions. Kush and John, did you have questions? Sure. Uh, hello, everyone. Hello, respected sir and ma'am. Dear brothers and sister, I'm from India, Kush Sharma. So, sir, uh, hello, long, sir. Hi. So, yeah, hi. So, sir, my question is that, so it is developed uh, this motor. So, can you tell me about some technical specification regarding this and apart from this i am curious about this motor so how can you like construct this motor so that it is like efficient and stable in terms of losses and other environmental uh, criteria do you mean the application sorry so do you mean the application of the motors or? No, no, no. I am saying that can you reveal or can you look out like can you give some details about the technical specification about this motor? Or what are the environmental aspects about this? Envi- environmental aspect. Yes. Uh, how? I, I don't know how to start, so do you mean that the, the, the operation environmental or it's it's uh, in, inference on, on the environment? I'm looking as uh, like if I'm using any electrical motor, so we uh, usually looks like a losses in terms of heat, vibration, friction mechanical losses like that so in this motor which kind of losses are and how you are like rectifying those losses Mm. what do you mean losses sorry yes may i may i help here for a moment 
Sure. Uh, yes. Kush, yes. Thank. Sorry, Dr. Long. Um, Kush, thank you so much for joining us here on stage in Science Society. I'm curious if you have read the paper, and perhaps that would answer some of your questions. If you go and take a read through the paper, and if you still have questions afterward, then you can feel free to contact us. Um, if you can really streamline your questions after reading the paper and make them very specific, because that is, that's a very broad question. And Dr. Long has just given us um, a very at length uh, read through and description of that. So I am, I'm asking that you um, in turn spend, spend a little time in the paper and then try to fine tune a question for us. So thank you so much. And John, do you have a question? Uh, yes, actually, I have a, a, a first, uh, let's see, yeah, this is a very wonderful uh, molecular machine. And uh, <clears throat> I can think about it, see like a couple, see like a um, source for the uh, electrons. Uh, well, in your life, well, we all, we also know that mitochondria has a huge, see like a mitochondria and a chloroplast. Those are the two, see like a major uh, electron producing uh, mechanism chains. So if you could uh, somehow link those, your machine to this chains, then that would be, I, I think that would be, you have, you should, should achieve a lot of stuff. You have an endless uh, energy source. Uh, second, I want to see that is uh, because of the two rings, they move, see, uh, uh, see, like uh, they move against each other. So the, they must generate some kind of, see, like a water current or some kind of, see, disturbance uh, within the uh, environment. So if we can use those uh, disturbance or something force generated, then we can move, uh, make things move. At yeah. least make this uh, make this machine itself move. So, and I think that then this might be a very prototype of say like a a robot, and then it, because it can move around. Mm -hmm. That's just some of my thought. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your valuable comments and suggestions. Yes, it is. And uh, because it's a uh, redox driven uh, molecular motor, so, so that means any redox chemistries or redox reactions can, can have the potential to power, to power the, the motion of our motors. And uh, you are right, you, if we can somehow uh, make make the unidirectional motion of uh, make use of the unidirectional motion maybe we can utilize it and uh, make it make the whole molecules move in 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 a, in a surface or, or in some environment in uh unidirectionally so thank you Actually, there are some, see, like iron channels uh, in uh, membranes, see, 
And so those error channels, of course, were their mechanism is a little bit different from see, the your motor, but still, it used those see iron uh, concentration difference, mm -hmm. and then to open and close the channel. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, no, 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 backwards. It's the uses uh, they take some kind of electronic signals from mm -hmm. neuron or from somewhere and then to open and close yeah on the channel yeah so those to me those might be another way of thinking about this electronic motors yeah okay thank you thank you Well, thank you so much. Um, we are spending now almost like over an hour and a half. So I wanted to check in with you now. Mm -hmm. I guess you had a long time <laughs> that you had to speak. <laughs> and, and it was such a great presentation. I don't want to stretch your patience too long and take too much of your time. And I thought, I think everyone got the chance to ask questions. So Thank you so much for this wonderful presentation. Oh, Eli, do you want to go? Yeah, so, so a couple of quick things occurred to me. If the hydroxyl turn out to be uh, real problems, uh, at least the, the, um, the one that would be, you know, substituting into the isopropyl, um, that could be converted back to a methyl group with uh, uh, a triflate or, or tosyl chloride and uh, um, a nucleophile that would that arises from a from a methane halide right uh, um, or, or a grignard methyl grignard um, that would be the easier one the the on the pyridinium, um, you could, you, you, I, I don't have a feel for how good the yield would be, but, um, there are some decent yielding, uh, Suzuki couplings that, that use, uh, triflates. So there it would be converting the hydroxyl to a triflate and then trying to, to do, actually it's, it's not a Suzuki coupling when you put an alkyl on on uh, an aryl halide with a palladium catalyst. I, I think it's a still coupling, but you know the chemistry that I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So the question is that uh, how much time I have in this group and <laughs> do the ah. experiment. <laughs> I think this is a big, big uh, question or big uh, issue. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, if anybody wants to pursue it, there there are pathways. Yes, yes. Anybody want to pursue it? Yes. Well, thank you for those last comments. And I think it's really interesting when people come together from different backgrounds and share new ideas. And um, maybe somebody will take the, the idea and, and study it further. That would be great. Yes. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for your time and for this wonderful presentation and for answering a lot of our questions. It was really an honor having you here and we wish you all the best for the future, a lot of brands and um, and I hope we hear you someday again and we will for sure follow your work. It's so interesting. So 
We will cheer you on for the future. Thank you, Long. Thank you very much. I enjoyed the conversation tonight, and、uh, yeah, hope I can another chance in the future to talking with you again. And、uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, and thanks everyone for coming and asking questions.、Uh, it's really a much more rich conversation when many people. Uh, contribute to the discussion, so thank you for that. And、uh, if you like discussions like this, follow the club.、Uh, the next talk will be on Tuesday、uh, from the Allen Institute.、Um, Doctor um, um, Rafalski.、Um, she will. She she did a new math framework. To study cell organization and came、um, and discovered new、um, novel insights into how cells are organized. And oh, tomorrow we will have again a room to make awareness for、um, getting donations to the relief of the earthquake、um, victims、um, that are currently still struggling and don't have a home and.、Um, We will have again wonderful music from our、um, from Nicolo, a DJ that is relatively, you know, famous here on Clubhouse that Victoria invited again, and yeah, maybe you come and join to support that room too. It will be a mixture of some information about the current state from friends in Turkey. And then also some music just to listen to. So thank you so much, everyone, and enjoy your weekend. I've posted the room link in the chat for tomorrow, in case anybody would like to join us. Perfect, and thank you, Victoria, for organizing this.、Um, it's a wonderful initiative. So thanks, everyone. Happy weekend, and I hope I hear you all back soon. Thank you.、I'll、Good night.、Talk. Good night. Thank you. Close the room in three, two, one. Bye, everyone.